Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker and folks on today's show. We are presenting our tribute to Dr. Reginald Thomas Lee. Ron, this is going to be a hard one. It is, Ed. It's been hard to even go back and think through some of them, look at some of the memories and email exchanges and text exchanges and all that, but he deserves it. And this is, um, this is a worthwhile man to pay a tribute to. So, yeah, absolutely. Just to, for those of you, we, we did put this in our, our pre-show, but for those of you listening to the show, our friend and mentor, uh, Reginald Thomas Lee, who was, uh, I think a five-time guest plus all of the times that we took questions from his class. And there, I mean, there, there he was probably involved in, I don't know, a total of six or seven episodes uh, in, in total. Uh, he passed away on March 8th on 2023. Um, and it's just a, a shock. Uh, you know, he's, for those of you who don't know, again, 50, 59 years old. The, this was completely out of the blue for us. Um, we don't know anything as, as far as the specifics or the, the cause, and, and we don't necessarily need to. We just... Uh, Wanted to let you know that because it's kind of like the first curious question that everybody asks. Um, so, but let's let's try to make this more of a celebration, Ron, of 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 his his work. And what I'd like to do is start by asking you the question because it was you that had the first interaction with him. Talk about how you met, and I'm going to put that in quotes because quotes. it was really a, a a an online meeting of sorts. Uh, Dr. Reginald Lee. Yeah. It, um, and Ed, you know, as, as usual, my memory fails me on this because I thought that we had met on a specific post I wrote on LinkedIn. And of course I went back today this morning and looked at that post and it wasn't there. So it was on some other LinkedIn post and I bet you it was on somebody else's LinkedIn post that, so, but mm. it was the, whatever the topic was on LinkedIn, it was a debate, a fierce debate about cost accounting. And this was in 2016 might've even been 2015. I'm even a little fuzzy on that, but it was one of those years. And I was debating a guy, Gary Kokens, who is one of the leading ABC activity-based costing experts in the country. And we were just going back and forth and back and forth as you do on the comments section when you're debating something that's really complex topic. Uh, and I was just saying, oh, look, this is just nonsense stuff. And and then this guy, Reginald, chimes in and says, hey, Gary, Ron's right about this. And then he starts throwing out a couple paragraphs about what, why he thinks I'm right. And the arguments I've never seen before. Hmm. It was like, holy cow, holy cow, that is such a great point. You know, it could have been something as simple as costs have nothing to do with cash. Mm -hmm. Or depending on which accounting method you use, cost accounting method you use, you'll get a different answer. And uh, I said, geez. And, and, and that exchange went on and 
all three of us now are kind of going back and forth, back and forth over a day or two. And I even might have spoke to you about him and said, wow, this guy came in on LinkedIn. And so I hunted him down and called him up and uh, we had a great conversation. And then in 2018, we met him, both you and I met him in um, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in March of 2018 at the uh, Thought, Leader, Thought Leader Symposium for CPA Practice Advisor. Right. And that's the first time we all met physically. And we sat in a PF Chang, I remember, because... <laughs> corner we booth. The corner booth. And we were sitting there talking. And I think you had a flight to catch or yeah. somewhere to go. And so you left. And me and him stayed in there for another three or four hours just yeah. talking up and... And, and I remember sitting there with you and I think he went to the restroom and I said, Ed, we have to make Reginald a fellow. This guy is brilliant, you know, and he's got a take on this that is, is just like a glaring hole in some of our work and it fills that hole and, and you agreed. And so when he came back, we asked him if he wanted to be a fellow and boy, he was really honored. And so that Mm -hmm. was, that was just a great, great first meeting. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I, and I, I believe that the, the thing that I have taken from that meeting that I've used over and over again, and, and like, you're right, it's a very simple concept. But it when he when he explained it or talked about it, he had just a way of, of making it easy to understand. And it's simply this cost is an opinion. <laughs> yeah, cost is an opinion. And it, it, it never really dawned on me the simplicity of that. But it really is true. And, and I had, I had used that phrase before. In fact, it's in one of my books, but what he really did for me is really fleshed out the, the connection between the cash domain and the accounting domain. And, uh, even before we met in March of 2018, after I met him online and we had that first conversation, he told me about his books and he said, I'll send them to you. And I said, Reginald, don't worry. I'll ha- I'm happy to go out and buy them. And I read lies, damn lies, cost and cost accounting, which is still the greatest title of any book ever. Um, <laughs> and it, it just, it, it blew my mind. It introduced me to so much that I had been struggling with, Oh, you know how you struggle with an idea and you, you don't have a way to articulate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He gave me the language to articulate it. I mean, right. I had been circling this issue for a long time, reading the work of Goldratt, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, the goal and especially H. Thomas Johnson, the cost accounting professor who developed ABC and then later on refuted it. And he's the one that studied Toyota and learned that Toyota doesn't have a cost accounting system and uh, wrote the book Profit Beyond Measure. So, but, but Reginald came in and just filled in that missing piece. It was like a jigsaw puzzle that was missing the nose or something. And it was perfect. So it was just, it was amazing to be able to know him and just be able to talk to him because he was an engineer. He wasn't an accountant, didn't have any accounting background, but he had an engineering background and a math background. And he understood the flaws in this cost accounting stuff. And you just don't think about that when you go through the education of what it takes to be an accountant. You take it as gospel. Well, what was so interesting about that part of the story is is that 
because he wasn't an accountant, one of the the refutations that we often saw about him was, well, he's not an accountant. And you, you, you were like, well, Good. yeah. <laughs> um, but because you like to remind people, cost accounting was developed by engineers. Engineers. <laughs> and it was accountants who who usurped the, the, the concept and brought it to, to bear and from an accounting perspective, but it was developed by engineers. So therefore he had, he actually had m more street cred in a way. Um, but just getting back to yours, did, did, and, and this goes to a show that we, we once did on changing your mind. Was it that he helped you unlearn stuff? Was that part of it? No, he, 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 like, like he painted in what was, what was a glaring, was missing. Like, okay. like what you did with project management. Mm. You know, when I had the three defenses for timesheets, one of them wasn't project management. Mm -hmm. And then you came in when I, when, after we started talking um, and said, no, no, we were also using this for project management. And, and here's why that's flawed. Mm -hmm. It was a missing piece. So right. I mean, to the extent that I learned project management, which I didn't, it was more unlearning <laughs> than learning, but you, it, he, you did the same thing as Reginald did. If that okay. makes sense. So he was, he was, fill, he was filling in the gaps of stuff that did, did that, was like, oh, I knew this didn't make sense, but here is why it doesn't make sense. And here's the connection piece between them. Exactly. The the lacuna or whatever, you know, the gap in my knowledge is what right. he filled in and uh, and and did it in a brilliant way. And and just, uh, and, and it was more of an engineering way. So it was just a different way of looking at the world, just like economics and accounting look at value completely different, mm -hmm. right? One thinks it's based on price, which is why we have goodwill. And another says, no, 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 it's subjective. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's three components to a transaction, not just the price and the cost, like accountants think. Mm -hmm. so. Well, anything else about that, that, that initial exchange, Ron, that, that were, were do, you, do, you, do you think that did, was there a resolution in a way did, or, or did this guy, Gary, just continue and you never really came to any kind of conclusion? No, on that? that debate rages on to this day i'm not even sure if gary knows that reginald passed on maybe mm. i should let him know he's i'm not a fan um we we've, we've had more uh caustic debates or exchanges shall i say uh, -huh. uh he just doesn't get the whole pricing thing and the whole subjective value thing but um no there was never any resolution mm. and there were some other people that that reginald got involved in that were you know, close to me, uh, who just thought he was way out to lunch and those debates never got settled either. Um, but you know, I didn't care. I mean, Reginald, he was right and he had the work to back it up. And, um, you know, if you read his books, I don't see how you can argue with any of it. Some of it is just basic math. <laughs> That's what I love about it too. When he starts ta talking about it. and and one of my my favorites from the the initial work that I read, I don't think I read lies, damn lies, and cost accounting first. I think I read strategic cost strategic. transformation first. I think, as as I you know, and my memory is probably flawed about that as well. But but just and he does re repeat this in his work. But he's like my yeah that you're, you're subtract you're subtracting pickup trucks from from from, from orange trees. <laughs> Exactly. I absolutely, absolutely just love that. And I, I do think you read lies, Ed, because first time we had Reginald on the show, that's the book we discussed. Okay. Okay. And and I wrote the foreword for strategic. In fact, I think it was at PF Chang's after you had left to catch your flight, that when we sat there for a few hours, he's 
I asked him if he was working on anything. He said, I'm working on this book. He said, I would love you for you to write the foreword. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, geez, what an honor. So um, I was able to write the forward, this strategic cost transformation, which we had him on the show for that too. Right. Maybe even two times we talked about mm-hmm. that book. And then, of course, you wrote the foreword for his last book, I believe. Although yeah. I, I do think he was working on one after that, which was Project Profitability. About Project Profitability. Well, the the the, the one that, that he was working on there that that had had to do with project profitability as well what, what i you know so yeah you you the forward you wrote was for the one that was how to do roi for like when you're buying a software system right yeah, a lot of people were, were thought that when project profitability was going to be about pro- individual product engagement engagement no. yeah. this, this was about in internally at an organization how does one assess the profitability of of putting in a new accounting system let's say or you know, or crm or something like that how, how are you going to go go through that that notion so uh but right. yes i was was honored to be able to to write that and and uh um yeah just some some great stuff and we'll, perhaps we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics when we pick this up on the other side of the break but ron unfortunately we are up against it so i want to remind those of you out there, you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise. You can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows. Our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE is out there. We'd love for you to take a look at that. Uh, you can rate this podcast by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We are recounting the life of, or at least our our, our life with him, of uh, our friend and mentor Reginald Thomas Lee. Um, and Ron, one of the things that that uh, 
I just wanted to, to share just more along the lines of a personal story is uh, Reginald and I had, had a huge uh, sports rivalry. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how he ended up a Yankee fan, but he was a New York Yankee fan. And of course, I'm a Met fan. So we oftentimes went back and forth on on that and in some private chats and it, all all in all in good fun and, and uh, just had some really interesting conversations with him and just about baseball in general. In fact, um, one of the things that I had made a note to to myself uh, the next time we did speak to him was j- curious to see what he thought of the new rules mm-hmm. um in that that went into to place in major league baseball because they're very engineering <laughs> they're very they're they're very um and and uh and in fact i read a story this morning about this and i'll probably talk about it a little bit more in our our, our bonus episode of um how efficiency almost killed baseball mm. so it was a uh, uh, and and I, and, I, and I thought of Reginald when I was reading that that article and pieces. I because this is something I absolutely would have sent him and said, "Well, what are your thoughts on this? Let's your chat thoughts. about this. This would be a great conversation to to talk about." And he was a, a big sports fan. I know he 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 also loved his uh, I think Colorado Buffaloes yeah. football, uh, and uh, and then of course I think. It, as I recall, he was a Cleveland Browns fan, which is where he ended up living for and, and teaching. Cincinnati Bengals. So Cincinnati Bengals. I'm sorry. I, that, that, I get those two. Yeah. Confused I, I mean, too. All the time. All the time. I mean, yep. too. Yes, um, you're right. He was you're right. You're absolutely right. Cincinnati Bengals, Ohio State. The, the, the Ohio State. The Ohio State. The Ohio State. The Ohio State. And of course, you're right. The Yankees and also at the Raiders. And I can remember telling them, I said, you're not going to believe this, Reginald, but I grew up in a town, Santa Rosa, California, where the when this is when the Raiders were in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, they used to, that's where they practiced. They practiced mm-hmm. in my town. I used to go to the hotel on the main drag where they, there was a football field behind the hotel and that's where they practiced. And I used to sit out there and watch them. It was amazing. And you'd see these guys around town. And this is the, this is the Fred Bolitnikoff, George Blanda, <laughs> yeah. um, John Penny Madden. Stabler. Yeah. And you'd be in a restaurant and, there was five of them or four of them sitting there, you know, these massive human and, beings. <laughs> and I was a towel boy. My dad got me somehow into a towel boy, a towel boy position. They used to play uh, a local high school faculty for charity. And it was uh-huh. the Oakland Raiders versus this high school faculty, which was like, you know, giants and midgets next to one another. And I'm on the sidelines passing out Raiders towels, you know, to the guys when they came off the court. And these guys were huge. I mean, just humongous. Because when you're, I don't know how old I was, seven, eight. Uh uh And they were just huge. You just, you'd look up at them. You know, it was like a building with teeth or something. um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was really surprised that he was a Raiders guy. Remember when we went out a few times, he had a Raiders shirt on and yeah. So he had both coasts there. He had the Yankees and the Raiders. So very, you know, very, very eclectic in in terms of his uh, sports mix. For sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, he did love good wine. I, I can attest to that. I, we, uh, we, me and my dad took him out to dinner one night and we had a, I think it was a Farnente, um, mm. that we had, it was on the menu and, uh, yeah, I got, I got to have many, many dinners with Reginald because we, we would do the Ohio conference together, which was three or four cities, which I think you did. I did one, one city one time. And in fact, we recorded a show, a show that we we ended there live that we en- ended up rebroadcasting but at yeah. like some center where they had the political debates or 
uh, uh, maybe it was a, a one of the parties, not yeah. um, you know, conventions or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I got to spend a lot. He used to, you know, he drove the Camaro. I think it was a Z twenty eight, but I'm not. I can't remember. It was either that or a Mustang. But I used to call it his prom car. I said, <laughs> I feel like I'm, you know, dating you or something in your prom car. <laughs> he was a he was a fanatic sports car guy. Uh-huh. fanatic and so we used to talk cars all the time and uh that was kind of cool but the other thing i just really enjoyed talking to him because he he had such a diverse background he worked with boeing he worked with general motors so you could talk to him about all these different things and he just had that engineering mind which was completely different perspective mm-hmm. so it was just really cool to listen to some of his stories yeah but 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 outgoing in that you know he, and, and which is why I think he did a lot of uh, was a college professor uh, as well the ability to communicate that which I think is is rare in the engineering set so that's Absolutely. that's what what made I think him him unique in that he was not only had the engineering mindset but was able to effectively communicate it and like okay. you said using simple ideas that but they came across and you're like okay that's a great way to think about it because it's easy but it makes the complex simple well, and that's that's a real gift that is a it, real gift Milton Friedman had it I think Russ Roberts has it to some extent Don Boudreau has it mm-hmm. Mike Munger Munger mm-hmm. has that gift um but Reginald definitely had that gift and uh and he wasn't afraid of debating he wasn't afraid of arguing and trying to understand the other side I, I watched him debate with this Gary guy. Uh, he would even share their email exchanges with me. And it, I mean, it got deep and technical and, and Reginald would just, it was just like a body slam. And, and what I noticed was they never came back and refuted them. They went mm. on to some other topic. They would never do. De- he would ask them specifically answer this question for me and bubble and lay it out. And, they would never come. They would never come back to him and deal with his arguments, mm-hmm. and that's just got to be the most frustrating thing. Um, but he did it all with good cheer, and you know, um, he was a happy warrior. Yes. No. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, boy, <laughs> so many other things to say. Um, he's got a, and we'll put this in the show notes. There's a tribute to Reginald from his. Um, the funeral home's got a page on him and um, with his biography and a little bit more about him personally, but um, he's survived by his wife, Tamara and uh, four children and um, a nephew, a couple nephews. Um, and um, I remember he, he was he, We talked a lot about his parents Hmm. His parents had a dramatic impact. And, and Ed, what, another great thing about Reginald was, you know, Cato, Cato events today dropped a podcast, what to do when you're the wrong kind of black ac- academic. Hmm. And of course, Reginald was black. And I asked him because I figured out really fast that he was more conservative um, hmm. than, you know, the other side of the spectrum. And so we started talking about Thomas Sowell and Walter Williams. And I was telling them, you know, I've been reading these guys my entire adult life, you know, and just, they're my heroes. And I, and I met Walter Williams and we got to have Thomas Sowell on our, on our show. Um, And we would have incredibly frank discussions about racism, discrimination, 
bigotry, all the issues that surround that. And he, he would explain to me how his parents had uh, a massive impact on him and his views because they were, they were conservative for the most part. And um, it, it, those were just great discussions. Even, even, even if we didn't agree, he mm-hmm. would probe me deeper about, okay, well, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that led to some really frank and open, you know, this whole thing about we needed to have a national conversation, right? We need a national conversation on race. Well, I had conversations with Reginald every time I met him on this topic. Yeah. And I, I distinctly remember we used to, we had, you know, Verisage fellow calls when, when COVID hit um, and, and we continued them on a, a little bit, but they, when we first, when, it, when we first started doing it, we had a, a lot of people on cause it was not, we were sitting around doing zoom calls anyway. Um, and, and the, that, the, that topic came up during one of these calls and I, it was, it was, it was a great, great conversation because he, he was willing to be open about it and, and, and challenging at the same time. Um, and, but, you know, on that whole thing, if we need to have a national conversation, no, we need to have more conversations like we had. That's what, that's what we need to have. We need to have more small group individual conversations. So absolutely applaud him for being willing to, 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 um, entertain and have those, those conversations because there are a lot of people who won't. And he would reach out to us about yeah. what was going on in his school because he taught at a college. Obviously, he was a. I, I didn't. Did you ever get his title? His official title was an adjunct professor. I think it was adjunct, but it, 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 I, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put a lot of money on that bet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. There's so many titles in that world and what they yeah. mean and and all of that. But um, you know, they had certain policies at the university that he strongly disagreed with, mm-hmm. and he would voice his concerns to the powers that be and he took major hits for it yeah. and um he didn't care he was brave he said they can fire where they can fire me that's fine you know i'll die on this hill type of thing so i really mm-hmm. admired that about him yeah no absolutely um so yeah and <laughs> Wow. I it also, you know, we, we would go out for these dinners and then we would come back to the hotel that we were staying at and we'd sit in the bar and there's just all sorts of conversations about all different types of things, um, uh, from cars to sports to, <laughs> uh, to the accounting profession. He, you know, why do they believe this so much? I said, hey, Reginald, I don't know why they're so attached to cost accounting. They didn't even invent it. You guys did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, he, but he, but, but he would point that out something that we, we talk about often, you know, the, the Upton Sinclair or was it Lincoln Steppens? I can never, I was Upton Sinclair, Upton yeah. Sinclair, you know, it's very hard to get someone to believe something when his paycheck depends on him not believing it. And I think that's a lot in a lot of cases, what happens with people and cost counting and these things that that are just so ingrained in them that they're like no that, that their their paycheck depends on them not believing this stuff so um yeah definitely I, challenging you, you know on the uh, on his tribute page um some of the comments were really touching this one i love this uh, reggie who he told me he hated it when people called him reggie yeah I, but i guess he had some very close friends and um, longtime friends and family that would call him. But this guy wrote, Reggie, as I will always know him as, was a little brother to me. He was my mom and dad's godson. And they took that very seriously. He was the last child in our generation. And we knew he was a bit different than us older kids, a bright star, funny, handsome, warm hearted. 
and always the one that would challenge tradition. Boy, is that true. And then um, I love what uh, this person said. Um, but well, he said, I was a fellow classmate of, with Reginald at Alter High School. I remember the day I saw this awesome Z28 pull into the parking lot. Him and I shared a passion for cars. Um, and um, yeah, there, there was just some beautiful uh, sentiments expressed. And one more guy said, these past days after hearing of your passing, I wanted to offer this quote from Robert F. Kennedy, which captures your spirit. Some mess. Some men see things as they are and say, why not? I dream things that never were and say, why not? He, he meant why and, right. and why not? Uh, yeah. Some men see things as they are and say, why? I dream right. things that never were and say, why not? That was Reginald as well. So. Yeah. Yes, great stuff. But Ron, we are unfortunately have to pay our bills here. So we've got to go to a break. But I want to remind you, you can contact us at the website, thesoulofenterprise.com. Ask TSOE at verisage.com to get an email to us. We do have that Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE, which is sponsored by 90 Minds. If you need a mind, get find one at 90minds.com. It's also sponsored by some of our patrons. And at a certain level, you can get a shout out like Geraldine Carter does. Business Strategy for CPAs podcast is her work, and you can find that at GeraldineCarter.com. But now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We are talking about the life and work of our Verisage colleague, friend, mentor, Dr. Reginald Thomas Lee, who passed away, um, unfortunately, suddenly in earlier um, last month. And uh, Ron, let's 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 uh, t talk about some of this great work that that Reginald's able to share. I, I, as you mentioned, I had the honor of writing the forward to his his last 
book, published book, uh, Project Profitability. And uh, in preparation for the show, I went back and you know went to the galley copy that I had to w- was reading in order to write the forward and just looking at it. And you know, one of one of the things when you when you read the the third book by an author there's there's you're, there's always a moment of apprehension we're like oh, you know i've i've kind of i i kind of got it you know i got i got with this guy but he really just added a whole nother level to my understanding with this with which with project profitability and and there's there's moments of you know wow written in the margin or you know <laughs> never really understood that before but this is a huge moment of clarity for me and uh, in my forward, I was I was honored to be able to tell the story because it was is one of these things that that uh, that I had the 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 blinding flash of the obvious years later. Mm. Uh, because in the forward, I tell tell the story of I was a big proponent and still am a a huge uh, fan of Mahan Khalsa and his ability to get to value. One of what he he is the biggest work cited with regard to the value conversation in all of the presentations that I do and his what he calls his five golden questions. And we've talked about them on a number of different episodes, uh, including our question show. And I, uh, anyway, um, but there was one moment in my career where, I, where the, the five golden questions take you through to try to get an understanding of what is the perceived value of the customer. And I had gone through this litany of, of and the syllogism with, with this particular customer and said, oh, okay, uh, because uh, we, we put the system in, it's going to be able to save you guys $12,000 or some number. I don't even remember what, what it is because it's going to save Betty Sue and Billy Bob 10, 10 hours worth of time. And we did the multiplication on this. And the guy said to me, this is my, my prospective customer, but Ed, I pay them anyway. And I didn't have a response. <laughs> I didn't have a response for that until I encountered Dr. Lee's work, which which informed me to say, well, it's be, and the guy was right because it's not cash. It's not, it's not cash. I wasn't saving him anything. What I did subsequently learn is that, I, and as a, a follow-on is, okay, what are these folks going to do with this 10 hours that they're no longer doing this other stuff. Is there something valuable they can do that creates customer value because they, instead of doing this for 10 hours, they're going to do something else for 10 hours. And as a result of that, uh, all of my slides now, when I talk about the Mahan Khalsa five golden questions, there is, and Dr. Lee's bonus six question, which is, is it cash? Is it cash or non-cash? And you got to answer that question. (laughs) And if it's not cash, doesn't mean it's not valuable, just means you've got to own up to the fact that this is not a savings in terms of putting more or allowing more money to stay in your bank account. So, Yep. And, and And that's just one of those ideas that's simple after you see it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know, b- before it, it, it's so convoluted with cost accounting and allocating this cost. And, but he was just like, no, is it cash or non-cash? This is all non-cash. So, uh-huh. you know, you factor that in. Um, and the, the book before that was his strategic cost transformation, which I wrote the forward to. And he begins that book by stating we've been fooled, bamboozled. <laughs> and, and I had to admit, you know, I was certainly fooled and bamboozled. Um, absolutely. And, he, you know, he, he, um, 
he uses this example of like being in a, if you were in a 2d world um, and you had, you saw something in the third dimension, you wouldn't be able to understand it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how he got into his explanation of the difference between the business domain management, which is um, which is where the accounting domain is embedded uh, and the operations domain, but it, it, it's just such a different way and, and still very simple. You don't have to be a physicist to understand it, but he, he had a great way of explaining things in, in a way that you understood. And some of the big distinctions I took away from his work um, was, you know, there's the distinction between the measurement and the management. Uh, I'm sorry, a metric and a measurement. Yes, that's and, another big uh, one. I'm, I'm reading this book on metrology, which is the science of studying measurement. Mm-hmm. And it's the history of measurement. And, th- and they just got, I just read the part just literally this morning about um, Edward Haley, is it? The guy Haley's Comets Haley's named Comet. after four. Mm-hmm. He was talking in the 17th century, the thermometers were there and they, they even had marked degrees, but they were all different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, depending on which one you used, you would get a different temperature reading. And that was one of Reginald's great examples. If you walked outside, you and I with the thermometer, we'd get the same reading mm-hmm. because, you know, we've, we figured that out, how to make everything consistent. Not, not true with, with cost accounting, depending on which method of cost accounting you use. And there are at least seven, um, you'll get a different number. So he introduced me to, uh, I think it's Lee Seagal and I still don't know, um, who the guy is, but a man with one watch knows what time it is. A man with two watches is never sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we've seen, we've talked about this multiple times at about, you know, uh, how cost accounting creates these bizarre scenarios, you know, two plus two is supposed to be four, but then you have a situation where Apple, when Steve jobs came back to it, every PL silo, every PL division is showing a profit, but the company overall is losing a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, I mean, th- this is why Jeff Bezos said if it comes to running Amazon based on quarterly gap earnings per share or free cash flow per share, I'm sign me up for free cash flow. Margin and gap profit doesn't pay my light bill. And that is something that Reginald would wholeheartedly agree with. Yeah, and and to, to me, I mean, it gets beyond just even the the, the measurement and where where project profitability I, I think does a great job of saying because a, a project profitability is trying to assess whether or not we should do something, and of course this gets into you know one of my my pet peeves, which is this whole notion of ROI. We need to we need to produce the ROI. Well, he says this in the in one of the early chapters, and I just love this. Um, however, I've seen financial justifications for information projects as well. Going back to chapter one, companies may require financial justification for every major expenditure, whether it's cash value or not. When there's not justification and you need it, what do you do? You make it up. <laughs> and that's, I, I can't tell you how many times I have absolutely seen that. And of course, our other guest, Dr. Jules Goddard, talks about this as corporate rain dancing. Rain dancing. You, 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 must, you must perform the steps in the right order to bring the rain down, to make it, make it rain money. <laughs> And uh, that that was just a great insight from from Doctor Lee to to say, yep, this is this is what happens. We just we just make it up, and 
What's the ROI of the ROI tool? No one's ever it, done that. It, right, right. How do you how do you assess the effectiveness of management? Right. Um, in his in his strategic cost transformation book, and this is from my foreword, but I said, you know, Dr. Lee also points out that the accounting domain creates information that is dangerous to the untrained eye. As a former cost accountant, I can attest that it's just as dangerous to the trained eye, <laughs> providing a false sense of accuracy and control because it, it cost accounting can have all these perverse effects and he documents every one of them. You know, it can actually create cash costs by increasing your taxes, by misreporting your gross profit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that no, no cost accountant ever wants to think about. Um, you know, it, you can do the profit center problem, just like Apple and Reginald described the profit center problem as the equivalent of a wife giving her husband money. <laughs> right. It's, um, and it leads to suboptimal pricing, obviously, but, um, yeah, because, you know, cost per unit changes with volume mm-hmm. and what, what impacts volume more than price. And, and the other thing he taught me was that, yes, you can have economies of scale, but and, and again, this is really simple because we accountants don't think of it this way, but you take a, a, a Henry Ford and you say, okay, well, if he runs, if he builds this huge plant with all these fixed costs and he builds a million cars instead of 500,000, well, then the cost per car is going to be much lower. He's spreading those fixed costs over more mm-hmm. units, right? right? Well, sure, that's the accounting domain. However, from a cash perspective, you're building 500,000 more cars. You're buying 2 million more tires, 500,000 more engines, body parts, you know, seats, blah, blah, blah. From a cash perspective, and Reginald's whole point was if you don't take into account demand and capacity, what if you build the cars to get the unit price down, the unit cost down, so your margin looks fatter, mm-hmm. but you build too many of them and they sit in inventory. And uh, I mean, in, in, in a paragraph or a page, he just described the history of General Motors and a slide into bankruptcy. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. They, at one point, General Motors wanted to make Cadillac the best-selling luxury brand. And one of the ways they did it was to drop the unit costs so that'd be higher profit per car, but they built a glut of cars and they didn't sell them. So they didn't follow the Porsche strategy of, we don't want two on any one block. (laughs) They wanted one in every house and luxury brands don't work that way. Best selling luxury brand is a, is an oxymoron. That's that's, totally, (laughs) totally. <laughs> Not good stuff. Oh, but again, we're up against our break one. Remind that you folks that you can get a hold of us by sending the email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website, the soul of enterprise. See show notes, previews to upcoming shows, all of that great stuff. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing our tribute to the late Dr. Reginald Lee. And add another thing that... Um, I always found fascinating either watching Reginald debate others or being involved in some of these debates myself was, okay, Reginald, we admit, yes, this isn't precise, but it's better than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And I I wrote this in the foreword to strategic cost transformation. I said, really? It's as if three friends are lost in New York City and one happily reports, don't worry, I have a map. But it's a map of Los Angeles, says the second friend. Well, the third says, yes, but it's better than nothing. (laughs) No, they'll probably get you. He absolutely loved that. He Uh, used that analogy a lot, he told me. And um, yeah, he, he, but he just added so much to our intellectual capital on this topic. And I just feel like I'm armed with uh, a nuclear arsenal when I go to debate people about cost accounting. Yeah, but, you know, and, and and you mentioned earlier Milton Friedman and some others who have have the same capability. Mil- Milton Fried- Friedman had, had what I think he says, you know, and, and then what? Right, that's the the question to ask. Is a, all right that you you propose this economic solution and then what? Like so, we, yeah. that's you you have to think yourself through that, and. Reginald had, I think, his version of that. I mean, uh, Friedman's talking about the general uh, economy here, but but Reginald had, you know, people. We we ask people what is the cost, and they don't ask the second question: cost to whom? <laughs> so so important. It's it's his it's his version of and then what, right? Exactly. And then I, what? <laughs> I, one of my favorite all time Reginaldisms is. You know, you'll be going along, you'll be planning a product or service or whatever. And, and then somebody say, yes, but what's the cost per unit? And they said, all hell breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) And he's absolutely right because, you know, the cost accountants sharpen their pencil and then they have to decide, well, are we going to use, you know, LIFO or FIFO or this or that method? Oh, geez. Um, and, and we used to talk a lot about this book that we both loved. I recommended it to him and he read it. And then we also talked about it all the time. Car Guys First Bean Counters, mm-hmm. um, which was the General Motors uh, book written by Bob Lutz, who came back as their chairman at, right was when it was going into bankruptcy. And the prior CEO, Rick Wagner, said this. He said, I'm tired of seeing financial analysts telling us it's better to do a lousy car earlier rather than a good one later. 
um and yeah it's just absolutely just it's just wild to me that this is this is so simple but but the cost accounting over complicates it it can Mm -hmm. make you look at it in a completely wrong way if you just don't get back to basics and reginald would give these very simple examples about how to do this or or give you an example where cost accounting leads to the dramatically wrong answer Mm-hmm. And then he say, now just add six zeros to it and you've got General Motors or you've got General Electric, you know, making mm-hmm. these big flawed decisions. They're just on a grander scale. Yeah. Um, so another contribution that you made to me, Ron, from and this is from a, a project management standpoint, too. And, and again, this is another one of those great, simple sentences that that I knew I talked about it, but I didn't have the the words to make it so uh, abundantly clear. And he helped me with it with that clarity. Um, and that is the, the the notion of people in 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 project management roles will obsess over project completion. They absolutely obsess over you know is this project complete? Can we get sign off? This like th- this is a huge thing. Oh, big conversations all the time about project completion. Is it complete? How do we how do we assess completion? But but nobody nobody asks. Rarely does anybody ask. But did we get the value? Did we realize the value? whether or not the project is or is not complete is almost an irrelevant conversation versus did we did we get the realize the value that we had intended to when we went into mm-hmm. this process and which is why the after action review is so important and why that question needs to be brought up there and it's almost never addressed in project management yeah i'd rather have the better car later yep. than the crappy yep. car yep. earlier exactly and- it, the, the other thing that Reginald really taught me, and I, and I kind of was reminded of this because after we talked, I went back and was reading Johnson. And Johnson said the reason Toyota is able to do all this without cost accounting is because, of course, it doesn't let cost accounting make decisions on how to organize the work. Hmm. And, you know, the way you organize the work is going to have a dramatic impact on your cost. This is part of gold rats, you know, theory of constraints and bottlenecks and all of that. But Reginald used to be able to describe that to me, like how Boeing organizes its work or how, you know, car, a car company like General Motors or something would do that. And, and that was just a fascinating, um, perspective. So, um, yeah, I it, there's so many things. I highly recommend his two books, uh, Lies, Damn Lies, or yeah, Lies, Damn Lies, and Cost Accounting and Strategic Cost Transformation. Um, those are those are must read, especially if you're in accounting, finance, have anything to do with even pricing, because mm-hmm. it can it can help pricers understand the flaws in cost accounting. Um, and yeah, it, it, those two books are just massive contributions. Yeah, well, and as well as uh, project profitability from a project management standpoint is, is an absolute must read as well, because it really helps you focus on the right things, both from the initial perspective of trying to get an understanding of what the what what the perceived value is of the customer up front and why it's important that it's cash uh, or at least related somehow to cash. And then also the back end question of, hey, are we are we getting are we getting this value that we thought we were getting when we went into this, because that's that's ultimately the real assessment of whether or not it was successful or not. Not did you complete it on time and on budget, but did the value come through in the end? And it's just a, a missing question, though. So. Yeah, uh, for sure. 
And, you know, the other thing that he really, he tightened up my language too, because he didn't like the distinction between fixed and variable costs, because of mm-hmm. course that comes from cost accounting and cost accounting is flawed. So that's, that's why he came up with cash and non-cash expenses mm-hmm. to, right. to, to avoid that language. So that really helped in explaining that in terms of a professional service firm, which is, you know, I used to say largely fixed costs, but no, they're, they're costs that you're paying irrespective of how you use the capacity, whether mm-hmm. it's human capital or rent. And that's a much more accurate way of describing it rather than just saying fixed costs. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's cash. Yeah. It's, this, <laughs> it's, this is it's cash, cash out, no matter what. cash out, <laughs> no matter what you do, you're paying this lease for whatever term you signed up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can divide it up any way you want. It doesn't matter. It's a cash cost. Um, so Ed, I found out about his passing from his wife, Tamara, and she emailed me, um, it was very, very early, my Sunday morning, March 12th. Um, and she just said, you know, this is Tamara, Reginald Lee's wife. I know how much he respected and adored you over the years. He passed away on Wednesday evening, which was March 8th. I wanted you to find out for me personally. Thank you for being such a great friend to exchange ideas with. It was one of his most favorite things to do. And other people said that too in the tribute. So um, doing a little bit more reading on this, I learned that, you know, he is survived by four children, one of which has a medical condition that requires constant monitoring. And he was the sole provider for the family. So uh, somebody wrote that financial help would be a big help to tomorrow. So there is a GoFundMe page, isn't there? Yes, there is. So we'll put that obviously in the show notes and it'd be out on Twitter as well as part of it. But but if you uh, are inclined to do so, I'm sure that um, his family would be much appreciative of that. And, and uh, we would we would love for you to do that as well. So, um, Ron, this is a show I wish we didn't have to do, but I'm glad we did. That's the best way I can summarize it. Yeah, so, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Totally. Well, Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Well, next week, Ron, we are going to have our second interview with Joe Pine, which uh, is going to be a fun conversation because uh, long before we started down this path of subscription economy, uh, Joe Pine was talking about the experience economy and transformation. So he was ahead of us with the language. And it's just going to be fun to loop back with him and say, okay, what does this mean from a subscription standpoint? Because I'm really curious as to what his thoughts are on it. So, Oh, yeah. He's got this HBR article, The New You Business Model. And uh, it's all about transformation. So we're going to get to uh, put some meat on the bones around that topic. So looking forward to it, Ed. See you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Enterprise.com.